Hi team, this is the Be Real With Us podcast by The Path to Goals on a mission to help you quit yo-yo dieting forever, eat foods you love, embrace the strength of lifting heavy ass weights and cultivate an undeniable level of confidence that inspires women around you to do the exact same. We are certified nutritionists and personal trainers who just wanna be real with you when it comes to nutrition, strength, and mindset. We specialize in behavior change, hormones, metabolism, sleep, stress, recovery, and mindset. If you are frustrated by all the conflicting information floating around on the internet, well, don't worry because we are here to call out the bullshit and help you stop overthinking and start doing. Billions of these humans, humans spinning on a ball of confusion. confusion. Some kids I went to school with, with. gave up on their dreams, they said screw it. Screw I it. said, oh, I'ma make some music. Even if they tell me it won't do shit Damn, I fucking knew it I'm blowing up quick I said, boom, bitch, I could give a Hello, team! Welcome to the Be Real With Us podcast Today we have a special guest We have Mallory Also known as Mindfully Mallory on Instagram uh, We are so excited to have her on the podcast today Because she has been such a huge inspiration and influence for clients here at the Path to Gold, and of course our coaches as well. And so uh, just a little introduction here. I'm going to let her uh, share who she is, but you know, my notes over here, she is an author, an organizational consultant, a life coach, a mentor, a speaker, a trainer, and of course a board certified behavior analyst with a specialization in ACT application, which stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, which we'll get all into today. Uh, she helps BCBAs, agencies, parents, and people learn and apply science of mindfulness and create a life that lights them up and is rooted in what matters. Whew. So obviously I got that off of her website. But, um, Mallory, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited. So I will hand it over to you and I'll let you introduce yourself, um, your background, p- perhaps explain what acceptance and commitment therapy is, and then we can, we can go from there. Sure. Thank you for that introduction, Sante. Um, even though I did write that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my background is all of those things. I care a lot about people living a life that they love because I know what it feels like to not. Um, my journey really did come from a lot of self, um, exploration that was inspired by my clients, um, also inspired by just a need. Um, so in my history, I've got a whole bunch of different things going on that I talk about a lot on my platform, there's no secret about that on my YouTube or on my Instagram, um, you know, mental health struggles and, and, and health struggles as well. And so I really needed act or acceptance and commitment therapy to help me start turning my life into one that I actually love living. And now that I've like experienced the magic and, you know, that's of course rooted in science, that is acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness. And I've used it to create a life I love. I just can't help but share that with other people. And then being able to help them see the magic of that is kind of addictive. And it's just my very favorite thing, which of course you guys know, because that's what you guys do too. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, I think that is one of our, the core things that we have in common is because we've been on our own separate journeys with health and mental health and just living a life that we are truly passionate about and that gets us out of bed in the morning. We just want to share that with other people. We want to impact other people to also live that way, whatever that means for them. And so just to give you guys a little background on how Mallory got connected with the path to goals. Um, when I first hired on Denise and, uh, Denise again is our lead assistant coach in the path to goals. And, um, when Denise first started coaching, she wanted to level up her coaching and invest in, um, acts. And she found Mallory and I I was following you a little bit too, Mallory, but I wasn't really paying too much attention (laughs) on what, what, what content you're posting. Um, I did notice that it was a lot of helping BCBAs live a more meaningful, purposeful life and maybe even perhaps, um, skills on how to transition out of the autism field if, uh, they wanted to. And 
Denise uh, started mentorship with Mallory and it has made such a huge impact on our clients and has really enhanced her coaching skills in a way that I was just so impressed. And um, after she was done working with you, I was like, Alyssa, you should uh, do this too, <laughs> because I've seen such a huge um, improvement with our clients and their mindset and their focus and commitment uh, because of the work that you have directly done with Denise. And so I, I wanted to continue to invest um, in my coaches so they can invest in their clients. And it's been amazing. Uh, and so with that, can you kind of explain what exactly is acceptance and commitment therapy and um, how it works? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, that's a big, big answer. So I'll try and keep it succinct. If you guys want extra information, I've got lots of free resources on my YouTube if anybody wants to take anything deeper. Um, but in essence, right, what acceptance and commitment therapy is, is figuring out how to be the director of your mindset rather than um, having your thoughts and feelings happen to you, which is something that's true, how thoughts and feelings happen. We're um, brought about by our environment or our history in our environment. They feel very much like something that is a little out of our control, right? But what's also true and what's also a really wonderful skill is that we are not our feelings. We experience them. We are not our emotions. We experience them. And so when we take the kind of language intervention and apply it to ourself that is ACT, accepting, which is the A, acceptance and commitment therapy, that if life isn't meant to just be happy and easy. Like there are components of life that are going to feel uncomfortable. Um, there are components of life that are going to be weird and that that is a part of the experience and not something to be avoided. Then we have the opportunity to lean into these uncomfortable feelings then rather than spend our life avoiding them or resisting them to inform what comes next to help make us go through those uncomfortable feelings towards the thing. And for everybody, the thing is different, right? With a lot of your guys' clients, it has to do with physical health. Um, and and there's a, a thought or an emotion that is kind of getting in the way of moving toward that, whether it be I'm not good enough or it's never worked before or it's not passable or, you know, whatever feeling or thought might be there, being able to see that that's something that we can work with rather than resist to create the life that we want, like barreling through it, not over it or under it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then that impacts behavioral change that we can see, smell, touch, taste, which is kind of more of that behavioral side from the BCBA people. Um, and then we've got people who are responding to their environment differently, even though their environment might not be different, like their mindset is, so they're responding differently. How did I do on that one? Did no, I get that where you wanted me to go? <laughs> yeah, no, that was beautiful. Definitely way better than I could have explained it. And so um, I think that that's tough for a lot of people to kind of accept these uncomfortable feelings because these feelings can be so intense sometimes that sure. it's easy. Like the easiest thing to do is to either pretend they're not there or do something else to avoid experiencing these things. And so what would you say are um, your strategies to help somebody confront those things? I, I imagine that it's first, one of the first steps is being honest with yourself that these things are real, right? Perhaps some people are maybe in denial that they're not struggling as much as they think they are. Um, but when they are confronted with the reality of their situation, then they have to, you know, work through those messy feelings. And that process in itself can be very taxing, especially if there's a lot of things going on in your life. Right. And so what would you say is like that number one starting place for somebody to start processing those feelings? A lot of the time where people start can be different, but I think that usually it starts in dissatisfaction, right? Someone finds something that they're dissatisfied in and they want to, ex they, they don't want to be dissatisfied anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that can take people in a lot of different directions. Um, 
but a lot of the times it's uncomfortable, right? Like you were saying, like maybe there's some level of denial. I usually like to think of it more as, um, I mean, denial can play a role in that, but it's usually like the resistance to being uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to feel weird, so I'm going to do whatever I can to not feel weird. And sometimes that perpetuates the problem. I'm going to use the example of me working a job that I was no longer aligned with because that was like one of my big struggles was that I had this identity that I was this person and I did this job and I worked for years and years and went to graduate school for it. And I like, this was what I wanted. And so I'm here. Right. And then when it turned out that I had, you know, three or four (laughs) resignation letters in my desk and I still wasn't resigning and I was really miserable, there was something I was avoiding, which was the fear of the unknown, right? And that's a lot of the times what people are afraid of whenever they're making a life change is who am I going to be if I become that or if I do this or whatever that might be. And so there is a sense of denial, but I think it's more of like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if I can be successful. I don't know what's going to happen. And is it going to be worth it? So to answer your question in a really long roundabout way here is that we have to get people to figure out their why. Like, what is the reason that is going to be worth it to you to do something this uncomfortable? Really rooting in what we call values or getting your values clarity down um, is going to be what allows you to figure out if the juice is is worth the squeeze here. Because there's going to be times when it's not, right? There's going to be times when it's not the right time or this isn't even something that you care about. It was like something your mom cared about or it was something you know, society told you to care about, but when you figure out what the fuck matters to you, I'm oh, sorry, can we? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yes, what can. the fuck? Ma- yeah. Be real, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Be, be real. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck matters to you? That's when we're going to figure out what is going to be worth getting to that place because it matters and like kind of accepting that it matters to you and that it gets to matter to you because you fucking decided. Yeah. Yes, Mallory. I love this quote too. It's like, when the why is clear, the how is easy. And when you know like why you're doing something, it gives you direction and motivation that you need to succeed. And so like, what are some exercises that maybe you facilitate with your clients to help them identify their values, their core values? Yes. So this is actually a harder exercise than I think people would think it would be. Um, in ACT literature, we talk about the opposite of values is lack of clarity. Nobody has no values. Everybody has an idea of what they value or what's important to them, but it's not always super duper clear. So doing some values clarity exercises can be so, so helpful. Um, one example is I actually do curse a lot because I realize that I don't care so much about professionalism as more <laughs> as I care about people connecting with this material, right? And so if I can get you to understand what I'm saying, I would way rather do it in a way that's real, right? For me, rather than in a way that's professional all the time, right? So for me, I had to like drop being professional all the time because it wasn't on my values list. Mm -hmm. So to get to your question, it's a really a long answer. And I know you know that, like what exercises are we going to do? But sometimes I just ask people to list them out, right? I give them a big old honking list off of the internet, like just Google, a list of 200 values and narrow that shit down to 10, which is can be really hard to start off with, but it's a good place to start. It's an evolutionary experience. You're not going to do it all at once. It's not going to be correct for the rest of your life, even if it's correct now. Um, and most of the time people, when they first do their values exercise, that kind of like labeling it, it'll over three months, it'll really become something over time. Like it's not easy. This is a tough, tough one. The next one that I do to help people, I think I've got three core ones, is I call it a balance assessment. And I take like the 12 areas of life that are kind of like defined by the psychology people who do the data, right? I just kind of grabbed their 12 areas of life. (laughs) And how are these important to you on a scale of one to 10, right? So like family, friends, mental health, career, parenting, environment, religion or spirituality study there's like 12 of them how are these important to you on a scale of one to ten just write that down and then how much time and energy are these getting on a daily or a weekly basis one to ten and then let's take a look at where those numbers don't add up 
right? Because that's going to tell you what's important to you versus what's actually important to you because what's getting your attention, right? And sometimes that's a place for an intervention, right? We get to make a little bit of moves there. The last one I have people do is tell me your dream day, right? Or your dream week. And not like a vacation, but like real day-to-day stuff. And let's outline that. That's also going to tell me what's important to you because those things are going to show up in the little practices that you would like to be doing on a day-to-day basis. Then I take all of those things together and I just chat with people out and figure or chat it out with people and figure out where are the things that you're saying are important via these kind of exercises, the last two, and how can we make those clear to you in your values list so that way we've got it really nice and succinct. Yes. And it's so interesting when we do the values assessment with clients, they get sometimes so wiggly about it, just like mm-hmm. uncomfortable because um, you're you're asking them like, you know, what does this value mean to you specifically? And I, I love doing the exercise with you because you're like, hey, just try them on, like try it on, see how it feels to live that value. And if it doesn't feel right, there might be something else um, that you might connect with more. Um And so how would you recommend people try on, you know, their about like practice living those values? Yeah. So that's one of my favorite activities to do and my most recommended activity to do with people. I call it intention setting journaling. Um, Some people get wiggly around journaling too. And that I'm going to go ahead and say has a little bit to do with your history of school and maybe perfectionism. Like you've got an idea that you might have to turn it in or it might be read or it's not full sentences or whatever, right? Okay, notice that that's happening. Set it aside. (laughs) Because your goal here is to be able to live a more intentional or mindful life. And that's going to be weird at first. We're going to accept that this whole process is weird, right? Going back to the original question of acceptance. Um, So, and then just take those values and intend to notice how you're living those out. I usually do one or two at a time because this is actually kind of a challenging exercise to do right at the beginning of your day, I intend to see how I am embodying my value of uh, being real or when I was saying like mine's not being professional all the time Um, and worded however relates to you. And then throughout the day, check in with yourself. How am I relating to this value, whether it be a parenting or um, being mindful with my health, being kind to myself with my language? Um, It can however it shows up for you or however you want it to show up for you and just take take note or reflect at the end of the day and how did i embody this value today and just fucking figure it out right like if you don't think that you did it then write a thing where you got close or you almost did or you had an opportunity to do it the more we create these kind of scripts or pathways in our mind by practicing just talking out how we're living our values or how we could have or how we wanted to the more we're going to see those opportunities in real life and by doing this type of exercise where you're doing it daily you're doing it intentionally it will become something that's more accessible to you because your mind is going to start looking for it so i know with a lot of our clients fear is such a big one for people and i know you touched on that a bit earlier but i wanted to bring it back up because so people come to us they want to lose weight is usually the surface they they come to us because they want to lose weight right um but a lot of people i think believe deep down like you know, will I be able to lose weight? Um, am I enough? Um, you know, am I a good parent or a spouse or will I get out of this debt? And usually it's not just all about weight loss. Um, and it, 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 and we've talked about this many times, right? It's, you're like, it's always about fear. And so how, how would you help your clients hold space for being uncomfortable and accepting their situation without leaning on, uh, faux acceptance. And again, you guys, I'm actually uh, working with Mallory one-on-one over a six-month course. Um, and these are the things I'm learning and it's so fascinating. Um, so I'm going to- Yeah, Alyssa's going through all of this stuff herself. And so just, I'm sorry, just to kind of intervene yeah. a little bit, um, how <laughs> Mallory has made an impact in the Path to Goals is she is actually putting the coaches through their own act therapy sessions, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by going through these um, coaching sessions themselves, they're better able to um, 
ask better questions to their clients, give their similar tools, have just different perspectives and different relationships with their with their clients. And so um, Alyssa has been through all of this stuff that we're talking about today. And um, she is, you know, u- utilizing these tools to help coach her clients as well. So just a little side note there, but go ahead, Mallory. <laughs> yes. So to reiterate the question there, um, how do we hold space for fear without using faux acceptance, right? Okay. So let's identify what faux acceptance is before we answer. Um, because a lot of what I hear people say when they go about to the idea of acceptance, they'll be like, okay, well, something's shitty or something's really hard. It's out of my control. And so therefore I just have to accept that the thing in the way is going to be in the way. And that whatever my goal is, is going to be impacted by that thing in the way. Or maybe I can't do the thing that I want to do or reach the outcome that I want to have because of this thing that's in the way, right? So that's faux acceptance. That's not real acceptance. (laughs) And that's really challenging for a lot of people to look at because we've related to acceptance in that way. And it is an appropriate uh, definition in American English to use that word that way, right? But in mindfulness literature, we use the word acceptance around the feeling of discomfort um, and that we're gonna experience discomfort and that that is okay. It's a part of the experience. And it is not something to be resisted. That is the acceptance that we try to look at. So those are the two different ones. And when we're holding place for fear, you, it, it's about that real acceptance of that fear and discomfort is part of the journey. And that it's meant to be experienced, that we have to experience it. And even though it's uncomfortable, we can't avoid it because in this place that we're in anyway, we're uncomfortable, right? Like we don't have the thing that we want. We're not moving towards this goal that means a lot to us, that eats at us, that bothers us, right? And that's bad too. Like which discomfort are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the discomfort that moves us in the direction of where we want to go? Or are we going to choose the discomfort that we're currently experiencing that keeps us stuck? Either way, we have to accept a level of discomfort into our lives. And so that's usually what I pose to someone is, is being here in this really uncomfortable spot that you're upset about worth your experience, right? Or is the discomfort of changing Um, or finding a new experience or going through something uncomfortable worth it to you. Let's think of a couple examples. So (laughs) one that I've done recently, this was also spurred on by Denise because my clients are, you know, amazing human beings who (laughs) encourage me to do shit that's uncomfortable too. Um, I I, I share this on my page and I've talked about it in your guys' containers as well where I have had a long-term eating disorder, right? And so I have some body dysmorphia. I've been working on um, on my bulimia for years now with, with a trained professional and some doctors and things like that. And I had some weird thoughts about going and doing weightlifting at the gym. Uh, I'm not the, I don't see myself as that type of person. Um, it doesn't feel like I've, I've never really been successful at that, blah, blah, blah. I had all these stories in my head about who I am and what I could do. And Denise was like, nah, girl, because she won't shut up about how good it is, how wonderful it makes her feel. All of these <laughs> other things so annoying. <laughs> about how it's going to make her strong when she's old and that like, you know, like getting all your groceries in and won't go. Like she just loves it. She lives it. And so yeah. I was like, you know, I think I want to give that a go, right? But it's going to be uncomfortable because the last time that I put myself in a real gym that wasn't like, you know, like a yoga studio or a Pilates studio, it was like where people lift weights, right? Run on treadmills was when I was younger and I had the bad experience with it, right? In like college and high school and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. But I also knew that I needed to increase my muscle mass for a couple different things that I've got going on with my health. My doctor says I need to do that, blah, 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 right? So the only way that I'm going to do that is by going to the place where the shit is. And it's going to be really weird and uncomfortable. And I had to accept 
that it was going to be weird and uncomfortable, right? I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to feel weird. I have to go to this place. There's going to be other humans who might witness me in this place, right? And I had to go be witnessed and I had to hold space for me to cry after I left, right? I had to hold space for me to just do like do the thing and it, for it to be kind of painful in like a mental way and it's still being the correct thing to give it a go, right? So mm -hmm. how do you hold space for that, right? I mean, I bargain with myself, <laughs> right? If you don't, if you want to stop after 20 minutes, you can stop after 20 minutes, right? And then moving that out. If you don't like it after a week, you don't have to go again, right? But let's be open to it. And it turns out it was fucking cool and nobody cared and I liked it and it's helping my health because I held space for being really uncomfortable that week, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was worth it at that time. And so it's going to be worth it to sit in my car and freak the fuck out too. And that was okay. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yes. <laughs> and I loved when you messaged me after the gym, you're like, I did it. And I feel so powerful. Like, what were you saying? You were telling me just how you felt like another level of like just satisfaction. But and it's okay to like to experience both of those things at the same time, right? Being totally afraid and freaked out and like probably um, intense emotions after going and experiencing it, but then also feeling really powerful and great too. Yeah. And I think that that's normal, right? And I think sometimes we think it's not normal because it's uncomfortable or, you know, we see other people having different experiences and we expect for our experience to be one way. And if we don't experience it the way that we expect to experience it, then we think there's something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But there's also other truths that are available to us, right? So Alyssa, we've been talking about the question journey. So it's like, this thing is true. It comes up for us, right? I felt uncomfortable. I felt um, vulnerable. I felt witnessed, which I needed to label all of those things um, in going to my local 24-hour fitness, <laughs> which is just not that big of a deal, right? But it was at the time. Um, and I also didn't die. I also made it through, right? I also lifted a way heavier than I thought I was able to. So I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. I got in the car and my brain felt kind of different, which was interesting to be open to. So there's just also like, yes, I felt vulnerable and witness, but also I felt these other things and which one is going to move me towards what I actually want in the future, right? Well, I want to feel better. I've been unhealthy most of my life. I would like to feel better. And I'm open to this being an option. So I'm going to look for the ways that it's working for me, right? But that's the rub. That's the practice is looking for the ways that it's working for you versus the first experience that your brain offers you. Yes. Yeah. And I think too, you mentioned like people feel overwhelmed, stressed, fearful, and they and they want to feel like um, another way, right? They don't want to feel that way. Right. So how do you get them to connect back to their why? Like they're currently experiencing some kind of way, but want to feel another way. So how do you get them to connect back? So it goes back to that intention setting journaling that we talked about, where we set ourselves up to remember our why. Um, in the beginning, before we even get started with the scary thing, or before we even start with our normal day, even if there's no scary thing to do today, it's just, I'm going to see how I'm embodying in this example that we're kind of talking to mental, or we're talking to physical health, right? I call it physical healing instead of working out too. It's like, that's just a little language tweak because that's what it is for me, right? That is my why. And when I use the word workout, it connects me back to like ED versions of myself. Right. So just coming up with this, an even different language can help. Right. But reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I sometimes write on my forearm. I always joke that I could never put a tattoo on my forearm because I rewrite what I'm intending on my forearm with like a pen or a Sharpie pretty much a couple of times a week. It used to be like every day it would have a different one. I did that for years. Um, and so it's just like a, even a visual reminder, like, why am I doing what I'm doing or intending at the beginning of the day and then reflecting at the end of the day? 
what is it that makes this important? And there's a pillar of acceptance and commitment therapy called present moment awareness. Um, and it's a practice where we continue to tap into why am I doing what I'm doing? What are my values? Um, and how am I embodying those values? And when you start thinking about those on a regular basis, eventually they become something that you're evaluating the same as you would be. And they like become autopilot, right? Like they're, you're, they're, you're evaluating them um, the same as like you're making sure that you don't trip on the stairs or you are making sure that you brush your teeth in the morning, even though you're not actually really thinking about it. It just becomes something that's part of what you do when you do it enough. Mallory had me do this. Yes. Yeah. Mallory had me do this as soon as I started with her and mine was confidence. And I didn't write it on my forearm. I actually put it in my phone notes and tallied sure. it that way. <laughs> this is another option if you don't want to be all tatted with a, a word of the day. But um, it was extremely helpful because that's what my mind was focusing on is finding ways I was being confident throughout my day, throughout my coaching sessions. And the more I tallied it, the more confident I got. <laughs> and so it was so fun uh, trying on that exercise. So if you're listening to this, because I have a few clients that were a little resistant to attention setting or manifestations, um, but really you are what you think. You are what yeah. you do. And so if you're focusing on, for example, a lot of my clients focus, um, their, one of their intentions is fun. Like, let's just have more fun in your day. Um, that way they're not obsessed about being stressed or um, fearful. If they're focusing on fun and finding more ways to find fun in their day, they're living a happier life in general. I mean, Adam Mallory, I don't know if you want to expand on that, the the fun uh, <laughs> intention, but that's yeah. been a fun one to do. So that's a really good point because we also want to do a replacement. <laughs> we want to kind of find like whatever we're thinking about that is, you know, the challenge. So the one that I'm thinking of is one of your clients who we've been talking about a little mm -hmm. bit, who we've been talking about being fun and versus being afraid. And so what we were talking about with them was taking when we're being afraid or when things come up where we're feeling afraid is, okay, well, what do I want to be instead? Right. And mm -hmm. so for them, it was fun. I want to be mm -hmm. fun and athletic. Yes. And so how can I do that now? Right. And that's a mindfulness practice in itself is where is there an opportunity for me to experience fun right now or for me to elicit fun right now, even in this challenging situation, even in the presence of fear? Um, I talk about this a lot with people who experience anxiety. So the point isn't to make the fear go away. The point isn't to make the anxiety go away or kick it out or diminish it or crush it. Like, and then I can live the life that I want. Mm -hmm. The point is to find how you can experience fun, even though fear is present, even though anxiety is present, right? How can I access that? And if fun, like, is too much of a reach for someone, they could even just start with being okay, right? Or being neutral, right? Mm -hmm. How can I access that during this moment, even though fear or anxiety is present? Yeah, because I remember you saying sometimes going from maybe fearful or extremely stressed and overwhelmed all the way to fun might be a big leap and just finding something a little bit more easy to um, access. Um, the other thing I found really interesting, because you mentioned anxiety it, and Shantae once she gets back on, yeah. and I've had a conversation um, prior to me working with you, but Shantae, and again, she'll probably share more about this when she jumps on said she would wake up with extreme anxiety. And I remember asking her like, oh, you wake up, Ashante, I'm sharing more about how you'd wake up with anxiety. Do you want to jump in and tell this story? Yeah, or sorry, guys, we had technical difficulties and the thing yeah. kicked me off. Um, <laughs> oh my God, that was just happening today, this whole week, actually. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is happening, it's happening. Um, yeah, I often... It, it usually happens when I just have a lot going on, but sometimes I'll wake up and instant anxiety the second I wake up. It's my heart is racing and um, I've kind of gotten to a place where I just, I obviously notice that it's happening and I just take some deep breaths and just go about my day trying to focus on one thing at a time. 
Uh, and it's it doesn't really go away. I mean, eventually, obviously, it does. But um, I I am not uh, expecting it to just magically go away. And so I really just try to be intentional with how I spend my day by focusing on things that um, obviously are going to help me feel a little bit more balanced, like movement. If I need to go on a walking break or I'll go in the treadmill real quick, that typically levels me out a little bit, but sometimes that doesn't even work. And so um, it's just kind of something that I've learned to deal with. Um, but yeah, um, and it's funny because uh, I'm sure what Alyssa was saying, like I was sharing that with Alyssa and Denise. And then of course, Denise was like, oh, you're just ex- you're just excited. <laughs> well, what happened was she was telling me about this anxiety and I wasn't, what is this anxiety? I was, I, I know what anxiety is, but I, I, I didn't think I had ever experienced it. Oh my gosh. And then one, like my husband, he's exactly like my husband. We have this conversation all the time. Cause Kevin, cause I tell Kevin this all the time. Like, I, I just feel anxious right now. He's like, what, what is anxious? Like, what does that feel like? And I'm like, you don't have to understand what it feels like, but just know that this mess right here is giving me anxiety and you need to clean it up right now. <laughs> So that's our conversation. So, <laughs> she was telling me about this anxiety. And then so one day I woke up and I started connecting all of the bodily responses to what Shantae was explaining. I'm like, oh, is this anxiety? I thought I was just like ready to start the day, like excited. Like I was like, because when I wake up, I'm like, I have all these things to do. I'm thinking all the stuff I have to do. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is I think this is anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just experienced or you interpret it as like, I'm just excitement. Really yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've tried, I've tried to frame it that way. Like, Oh, maybe I'm just excited right now, but no, none, none about nothing about my day is exciting to me. I just have to get shit, some shit done. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that example. So when I first met Alyssa and I think I've shared this with both of you, um, I was like, you're just happy all the time. <laughs> As someone oh, who's oh had God, yeah. to like diagnose, you know, like generalized anxiety, panic disorder, anxiety disorder, things like that. Uh, I just was like, wow, people exist like this. Like this is how other people are going through life. Shantae, my experience has been a little bit more like yours, where sometimes I'll wake up, I'll be anxious. I I, I won't even know what is causing the anxious, right? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to figure out how to deal with your day or, right, it becomes debilitating. And then there's mm-hmm. things that you kind of can't get done. And before, like when you kind of cut out there a little bit um, due to technical difficulties, we were talking about fear and anxiety is like something that we can't crush, right? Like it's about finding the fun or the replacement of what we want to experience, even though the anxiety exists, which is what you were speaking to is like, okay, I can find some ways to maybe level out my body. um, But it's also just part of my day. And there's a level of acceptance that there's just part of my day. And we can practice skills like reframing, right? Which um, Alyssa was offering, which is, well, maybe I'm excited. And there's times where that might happen. We might be able to convince ourselves that excitement is present and anxiety is present, even if it doesn't get rid of anxiety. But figuring out how to hold space for our anxiety, right? Or our fear um, or our anger or whatever, um emotion is present that we don't want which a lot of those are like the three that people don't want like they don't want to feel anxious they don't want to feel pissed off they don't want to feel sad right right (laughs) um but when they're present right it doesn't have to be the only emotion present right and so that's like a little language hack is like okay i'm anxious and right i'm Mm -hmm. mad and like and my feet are beneath me, right? And I can feel the air on my skin or in my hair. And um, I'm okay. Like there are parts of me that are okay, even though this is present. And then it can kind of become and something else could be present. And I'm working towards something that really matters to me. And like finding that why, right? And so I think the original question was how do we access that why even though big emotions are present or challenging situations are occurring it's just with that little language play and being able to practice like okay yes i'm labeling my emotion and there are other things here right Mm -hmm. um and it's not like i am anxiety i'm experiencing 
anxiety. And there's mm-hmm. that's so subtle. And people might not even pick it up when I say it. It might sound exactly like the exact the same thing. But there's is a difference between being something and experiencing something. And when we just start switching our language and playing with it a little bit, then we experience it differently. The same way that Alyssa has been experiencing excitement when you and I, our bodies might interpret the same thing as anxiety, right? And like, it's just playing with that interesting language. I think that's my favorite part about ACT is that we can take sometimes the same things, right? And we can re- flavor them (laughs) to be a little bit to find the way that it's going to help us or move us towards the thing that matters to us okay so the my favorite that you've shared with me is the and i've been using that more often in life just like and um and then should versus could right yeah man (laughs) what i heard too was almost like you're changing the relationship that you have with these labels that you put on yourself or these experiences that you've had. And I think um, in a world where we have, I would, I should step back and say, in the modern world where we have so much access to entertainment and things that are distracting and technology and getting things quick and easy, um, we, start, we tend to get overwhelmed, overly anxious, bored, and frustrated things don't get when we don't get things that we want as easily as we think we should because we've almost been conditioned and we've been learning you know for the past 10 to 15 years that everything should be easy everything should be accessible everything should be quick and fast and uh we should be entertained all the time while doing it and so um One of the things that I have learned over the years of being in the health and fitness space, um, thank God that I started before technology has advanced because it really did teach me the process of being okay with being bored (laughs) and doing the same things over and over and over again without any tangible immediate outcome that comes with that. Um, And so part of... um, these different uncomfortable feelings of feeling overwhelmed and over overly anxious and bored um, is also teaching people how to like be okay with that. Like there's not like we label it bad, but we could also label it neutral or good, right? Being bored isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. It could be a good thing if we use our boredom to our advantage. Um, same with like being anxious, right? Like Alyssa and I have different experiences, but we could definitely use those feelings as leverage to improve another area of our life or get into better habits that are going to help us manage the anxiety a little bit better, or even just reframing the way that we feel about the anxiety. Like Alyssa said, like she feels like she's excited and, you know, looking forward to her day. Um, And so um, I didn't really have a question with that, but I just kind of wanted to point that out because that's what I was kind of thinking too, when you were talking about the experience and the relationship that we have with these, with these feelings and we can change our perception of them based on the labels that we place on them. Well, let's think about bored a little bit because I love that word right now. Bored is like, I don't know. I've been just trying to notice how to play with bored. So you just kind of like, you just found my thing. (laughs) It's so funny because I've, that's been a word of mine too. Well, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So when we think about bored, A lot of the time, yes, dissatisfaction is coming up. Like, I don't enjoy being bored. I think everybody um, experiences bored differently, which is another beautiful thing about language is that we can use the same word. And sometimes we're our experience of it or like our history with it is different. Um, But a lot of the times it comes down to like dissatisfying and wanting input. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I said a little bit back a while back was like when someone wants to change something right? It usually is born from dissatisfaction, right? So one thing, I actually really love the experience of bored because bored is a crazy, amazing opportunity (laughs) for some pretty massive change. So when bored shows up in my life, it's like an invitation to evaluate what's working, what's not working, how am I moving towards my values or not? And there are times where I need to make space for 
things that are still really important to me that are, you know, not quite as stimulating and I can find another way to make it stimulating. Um, like, I don't know, I'm going to use the treadmill, for example. So like getting my steps in, even if I'm just walking out in the real world, uh, is, is a little bit boring. So like really nice, good music or finding a new music or finding a new podcast or listening to an audiobook is like an invitation for stimulation during something that matters to me. But it's also like, I don't know, I'm just a geek about words, but like, it's like, wow, isn't that interesting that I'm feeling this way? How can I create more satisfaction in this thing? And how is what I'm doing connecting to my values or not? Because also boredom can show you where there's things that you've got to put down that you might be doing. And that can be just as cool of an opportunity, right? Where it's like, oh, this this playlist needs to be mixed up, right? Or this project that I've been working on for a really long time just doesn't do it for me anymore. What do I get to do instead? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like yeah. a Ooh, I love board. No, it's exciting because it leads you to discover things that you wouldn't have if you weren't bored, right? Like the playlist is a pretty good example. I have I have a chill music playlist that I play when I'm walking outside so I can relax a little bit. Um, but, you know, after listening to that playlist every day for like two weeks, it's like, all right, I'm bored of this playlist. What else can I listen to? Or I, I, I find a new podcast or I find new artists or new music yeah. to listen to. And um, on a more extreme level, kind of going back to uh, dissatisfaction and something that I think you and I have in common, Mallory, with our past careers and just finding dissatisfaction and maybe even yeah. boredom with our last careers. That's where I was at. I was not only dissatisfied, I was extremely bored and I just wasn't challenged and not, at least not in the ways that made me excited to show right. up to work every day. Um, and that led to uh, explore yeah. my creative side that I didn't even really know I had when it came to building the path to goals. Uh, and so I think people miss a huge opportunity, like you said, with boredom and they waste it on scrolling and watching YouTube videos and, you know, doing things that don't lead anywhere to a more meaningful life. And so they just kind of get stuck in these habits that are like, well, I'm just bored at work or I'm not getting what I want at work, but they're not actively pursuing something else to fill that void. And I was just going to say, let me tell you why someone does that, right? Someone Mm -hmm. is going to avoid, and this kind of goes back to the word denial, I think, is that we don't always want to lean into the full emotional experience of things that are uncomfortable, like boredom, right? And so when we reframe it to be an opportunity versus something to avoid and fill the void (laughs) with, right? Um, it become like that's you connecting to your values. You saw this dissatisfaction was intolerable, right? I did the same thing. This satisfa- dissatisfaction is intolerable. I have to, I have to take action because I'm not going to be able to feel good about my self. Like this stuck is intolerable, and wor- like the next thing is worth it, right? Going off into the abyss mm-hmm. is worth it, and it's because you felt your feelings. You didn't resist feeling your feelings. And that to me is the problem that most people experience is mm-hmm. I'm experiencing something uncomfortable, but I don't want to, or I shouldn't. And there's something wrong. So I need to find whatever is going to fix that. Leaning into our uncomfortable feelings is the most powerful shit we can possibly do. And so like, that's, that's why they fill it with the scrolling is because they don't think they should feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to just kind of check out and be entertained yeah. online. I mean, I do it too a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean, like, we all do it. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with scrolling sometimes. <laughs> hey, we're here. We're on social media. We want you to scroll. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I actually remember the day that I decided that I was going to pursue the path to goals. Um I was casually, you know, posting on social media and, you know, I wanted to eventually, you know, explore this side, but I wasn't super serious about it until one day. um, It's a really long story, so I won't get into it. But long story short, I was working on this case of um, 
these kids at a school that I was working with. And I just had a really um, poor relationship with the principal and the teacher where basically they tried to make my life a living hell while I was working there, um, you know, working with the behavioral therapist and helping these uh, these kids with their uh, behavioral therapy. And um, but finally, we got uh, an RBT, uh, a really solid RBT to work with with this kid, one of the twins that I was working with. And like two months later, he quits to go to uh, a school, another school. And the second he quit, I was like, this is obviously going to fall on me. They're going to hate me because I've been dealing with so much crap with the principal and, and the teacher. And so I had to inform them. I sent them an email telling them like, hey, um, this RBT, he's no longer with us, but don't worry, we're going to get somebody else in there. And they obviously weren't happy. And he wrote me a nasty email and I just lost it. <laughs> I was I was on thin ice with just like my feelings and how I was feeling about the whole industry. I lost it so hard. I cried the entire, like sobbing, crying. And I actually... Um, scared my husband. He was like, you just quit. <laughs> he was like, he's never seen me like that before. And for my husband to tell me to quit, um, it, it w- he thought he knew that I was like in real distress. Um, and so I cried literally for straight for eight straight hours. But that was the day. And that was actually what I needed to push me to do what I'm doing now. After that day, I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not putting any more, um, any more of my uh, passion and my feelings into something that's not going to go anywhere. And so I made the intentional choice to look at this career at the, the time as just a job that I go, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And then I put every single ounce of energy and passion and motivation into the path to goals. And that was the day that I, I decided to do that. But it was really uncomfortable because obviously you're going through identity shifts, right? I invested so much time and energy and motivation into this specific career that I had to let go of that identity and create a new one for myself to create what I what we have now. And um, it was just... Yeah, it was just like one of those moments where I was like, this isn't worth it anymore. This is more painful than getting out <laughs> in that whole process. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share that story because yeah. I think, you know, when stuff like that happens, it could be really easy to just like, well, this is just part of it, <laughs> you know, like, well, this is just, you know, it just comes with the job. It just comes with the territory. <laughs> Yes. I love that story so much, especially right there at the end where you were like, I'm not going to accept this, right? That faux acceptance mm-hmm. of this is just going to be the shit that I have to tolerate because it comes with the territory. And you decided that what you actually wanted, you you, you must have spent a little bit of time getting clear around what you actually wanted, right? Because path to goals is not necessarily the first type of a jump that I think most people in the role that we've had would make, right? Where they're going from from this type of a consultant, doing this type of work, right into my own business, doing nutrition and health and wellness, right? Like it's not the first thought that people have. So like you had some clarity around what mattered to you and what you've experienced and what you wanted. And at the same time, you made space for those big emotions to be an opportunity and to lean into those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings on a a pretty large level, seeing that the fear, the um, like, you know, I would only, I'm projecting what my experience was going out. Like it was like, Mm -hmm. can I actually do this? Will I be able to support myself? Will anybody sign up? Right? Like if you've never Mm -hmm. had anyone sign up, the first time is a lot. Right? Like it was yeah. Weird. Oh, yeah. It was weird until you got the first couple <laughs> startups. Um, but you leaned into your feelings, right? You didn't you allowed that to become an opportunity, um, the dissatisfaction to fuel change, right? Versus and accepting that it's gonna be like really uncomfortable versus the discomfort isn't worth it, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the people who do things, right? 
those are the people who change their lives. Those are the people who change their behavior. Those are the people who get the shit that they want are the people who allow discomfort to be something that not only experience that they can experience, but that fuels change versus that kind of faux acceptance of, well, this is the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, um, I love that. Yes. Alyssa, did you have any yeah. one? Okay. Yeah, since I think we're wrapping up here, but I guess one final question would be, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out on their journey uh, to trying to live a values-driven life, especially if they're afraid of failing? Oh, man. So I that's, that's where, <laughs> I mean, I'm working on noticing how my fear of failure or my fear of success is impacting me right now, right? There's some different things that I'm working on with my health journey, um, as well as like even where I want my business to go in the future, because I'd really like to lean more into authoring, right? Which is kind of scary. We're not going to lie, even though I've already done it, um, (laughs) is, is so much, right? And I would encourage people to take that fear of failure or that fear of success and lean on it dig into it, ask yourself questions about like, what's really the thing that you're afraid of? And is that going to make or break you? Is there also something else that's present? So for me, the fear of failure when it's like, well, nobody would want to read my books, nobody would want to buy them, like, will it make me be like, will I be able to be successful in that is like, okay, well, what if let's do it? Let's talk about it. What if that happened? And the truth would be, is I'm afraid of someone laughing at me. Well, people laugh at me all the time. I get people who argue with me on Instagram, like, and I'm fine, right? Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Um, I laugh at myself all the time. Would that be okay? And if it didn't sell or it didn't work, like, I could always pivot. I've pivoted several times already. I will be fine, right? So take that fear out and look at it really do some worst case scenario shit and feel your feelings around it, right? Like when I went to the gym, I was afraid that someone was going to laugh at me or someone was going to look at me or someone was going to snigger at me. You know what? It didn't, it didn't matter. Like at the end of the day, I was getting what I needed to get done for me. It didn't actually matter what this person thought at all to me. So when you look at the thoughts and feelings, when you actually take it out and flip it over and turn it upside down and then see where it sits with your value system, then make the decision about what you're going to let impact your opportunity to get the life that you want versus someone having a thought or having an opinion or not being able to make it work the first time and then using that as an opportunity the same way that we use board as an opportunity. It's just another springboard if you let it, if you can see the and available to you. Did I, did I get it? Did I find it? Crushed it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mallory, for spending this hour with us. Um, th- wanna, I know Shantae mentioned your Instagram handle, but any other places people can find you? Do you want to? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Go find me over at uh, Mindfully Mallory on Instagram. That's my website as well. And then I've got a YouTube with some stuff going on. So if there was anything around acceptance and commitment therapy that you wanted to go deeper, I have some free resources that mostly live on my YouTube, which is also Mindfully Mallory. Um, for any of those like longer um, forms or some good meditations if you want to practice mm-hmm. your present moment awareness. Um, those are those are my platforms. <laughs> yes, um, what kind of services do you offer? Share sure. with So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> um, so I do do mentorship or coaching um, and consulting um, for people who are in the coaching or in BCBAs. I specifically talk to people about the experience of ACT for themselves, right? Being able to move towards the life that they care about, being able to do the things that light them up, being able to, I mean, just do the fucking thing, whatever the thing is, and figuring out how to help you get there, um, as well as consulting or supporting business development for those people who are in that area. Um, from the ACT perspective, because I just think ACT is the best thing that's ever happened. (laughs) It's changed my life. It continues to help me change other people's lives. And I love working with helpers specifically. So I usually work with people who do work with other people, right? Like coaches or behavior analysts, because I think when we help the helpers, um, it, that ripple out effect, that impact, which is a value of mine is impact. Um, is just so good. 
good. <laughs> so if you're yeah. a helper and you want to know more about ACT and you want some help with like your fluency um, or your application um, and not just like, I'm going to do it with my clients, but like, we're going to do it with us. That's mm-hmm. how we create real, sustainable, impactful, emp- empathetic change, in my opinion. And that's what I want to see more of in the world. I love it. Thank you so much, Mallory. We learned a ton. And if y'all are interested in coaching with Mallory, please contact her. She's amazing. As she said, she has impacted uh, not only our coaches, but our clients' lives from the coaching that she has done with our coaches. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, until next time, uh, thank you for listening to Be Real With Us. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.